Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. Significant inflation. Inflation and when it will come back down. Longer lasting than anticipated. And now the infrastructure bill. I think we have a historic, I know we have a historic economic framework. To push their socialist agenda through. Kicking the can down the road. We are addressing the supply chain issues. Bottlenecks, hiring difficulties. Pushing prices higher. Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, welcome in. It is News and Views for a Thursday, a political trivia Thursday. We'll play in a little while. Your category, the Eisenhowers. Okay. I like Ike. You'll like uh, Ike, too, if you win. Have anything to do with his farm? No. Oh, okay. You ever been to the Eisenhower farm? I've been by it. I've yeah. never toured it. It's beautiful. But, uh, beautiful place. That wasn't too, think- too far from where we uh, grew up, up in uh, Maryland, just over the line. Um, so last night, the World Series, the uh, Astros tied it up one game apiece. But uh, what was really interesting was um, the banner that was hung <laughs> took up about, I don't know, 15, 20 seats and uh, cheering on Joe. So uh, let's go, Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Will East Carolina and South Florida, will they be cheering for Joe tonight? Huh. We'll see. I bet there's a good chance, unless it's uh, raining too hard, (laughs) to have much of a crowd. I think there's little rain showers coming. Yeah, it looks like it. the uh, forecast says it's going to get heavier late tonight, but uh, take your take your uh, poncho or your umbrella. I guess you can't take an umbrella in there. Take your poncho with you. Um, Pirates paint it black tonight. The ninth ninth hundredth game, ninth nine hundredth game in program history. Mm. Yeah. Um, good news is in uh, East Carolina and a lot of people are giving uh, coach Houston a hard time. You know, we very easily could have at least two more wins in our category. I mean, yeah. in our, in our, the win column, but, um, USF leads the East Carolina pirates nine to two over the series. that dates back to, uh, 2002. I think, uh, the pirates are going to win the night. We, uh, we owe South Florida one. I mean, they, we have over the years. Um, they've they've had some good teams, some not so good teams, but we've lost to them when we shouldn't have over the years. I say we, East Carolina. I'm a, I'm an alum, but uh, wasn't it, wasn't it uh, South Florida that beat us a couple of years ago in Greenville? Like the last play of the game. There's been at least one of those in Greenville, yeah. South Florida. I think Central Florida too, but I know South Florida because I, I was there. Maybe for, it was Central Florida. But I well, thought, I, I I know I was there at least one South Florida game that they beat us on the last play of the game. But I think I think you're thinking Central Florida. It might have been. Uh, so cousin Eddie came out today to sell his new one point seven five trillion dollar plan, and th- this is hilarious. I've got some audio plays. Cut one just a second here, Clark. But um, he sells it. He sells this new plan by saying this is fiscal responsibility. It relieves inflationary pressure, and it reduces the deficit. (laughs) (laughs) 
I heard that line, and I just. I mean, that's that's. Why don't you sell us cigarettes and tell us how good for the health? It, you know, I smoke menthol cigarettes to improve my health. Well, first of all, unless it's been released in the last hour, the text of what they're talking about has not been released, so well, we yeah. really don't know framework. So, and number two, um, the CBO Congressional Budget Office it has not been sent to them. So, who, who says it pays for itself? Who says it reduces the deficit? Well, it hadn't been. And yet, as you're going to hear in just a second, he comes out and says, "Well, you know, these Nobel-winning economists all say how who, wonderful it is." Who, Paul Krugman, which is a <laughs> which is a political hack that just happens to have an economics degree. Well, and look who's won the Nobel Prize over yeah. the last 10 years. I, I wouldn't be bragging about that. Anyway, here's uh, Cousin Eddie from just a few hours ago. I'm pleased to announce that after, after months of tough and thoughtful negotiations, I think we have an historic, I know we have a historic economic framework. It's a framework that will create millions of jobs. It's fiscally responsible. It's fully paid for. 17 Nobel Prize winners in economics have said it will lower the inflationary pressures on the economy. And over the next 10 years, it will not add to the deficit at all. It will re actually reduce the deficit, according to the economists. <laughs> it's laughable. Are, are there 17 Nobel Prize winning economists, economists that are alive? I, I, I mean, I doubt it. Really, let's look at the list of those. I, I doubt it. That's a great question. I mean, um, and, and then Joe turns around and walks away from the podium. You know, he sort of shuffles away. I, I don't want to be overly graphic, but Joe looks like he's got to go to the bathroom. And if he go, and if he walks too fast, he's he's going to lose it in his drawers. That he would soil his drawers. I, I, I mean, I, I know that's a terrible thing to say about the president, but it's it's come on. It, no, I'm sorry, Joe. I hope you made it. Well, he is being sponsored by a tinge, you know. <laughs> Anyway, Kimberly Strassel, who I, I love, I love Kimberly Strassel. She uh, is with the uh, Wall Street Journal. I might say I love her. I, I, I love her work. Um, she tweeted, nothing has changed from yesterday. Manchin won't say he supports it. Cinema won't say she supports it. Sanders won't say he supports it. The White House put together a document and staged a uh, presidential visit to the House, gave a speech to gin up momentum, and that's it. And, I mean, look at how often this administration blatantly lies. So why should we possibly believe anything they said if they're just, as as Kimberly says, just trying to gin up momentum? You know, um, John Kennedy, the senator from Louisiana, who is uh, one of my favorite, he said, you know, what what is a framework? You know, it, apply that description to a car. That means you don't have Chassis. an engine, you don't have any doors, you don't have any seats, you don't have anything, you don't have a transmission, but you got a framework. Yeah, a chassis. Yeah, yeah. Basically, <laughs> that's it. Um, the one point seven trillion, though, and as you said, we don't really know what's in it, but Town Hall and the Wall Street Journal are reporting that Biden's new 1.75 uh, trillion dollar deal has amongst other things in it for immigration according to the wall street journal the biden administration is in talks to offer immigrant families that were separated during the trump administration are you ready for this 
they're going to offer each individual up to $450,000 in compensation. <laughs> Did you say 450000 each? That's what the Wall Street Journal is reporting. The U.S. Departments of Justice, Homeland Security, Health, and Human Services are considering payments that could amount to close to $1 million a family, though the final numbers could shift. The people familiar with the matter said most of the families that crossed the border illegally from Mexico to seek asylum in the United States included one parent and one child. Um, many families would likely get a smaller amount depending on their circumstances. The lump sum payouts, according to some attorneys who spoke to the Wall Street Journal, could mean that illegal immigrants could get more compensation from the Biden administration than some families of the 9-11 victims, that, what they received. The potential for illegal immigrant families to receive hundreds of thousands of dollars from the federal government while Americans continue to struggle, the Biden administration inflammatory inflationary and inflammatory economic policy is not a great look ahead of the 2022 midterms. I, I, at what point will the American public go postal? We were talking before the, uh, before the uh, program started, um, Milokovic, is that how you pronounce his name? Milosevic, uh, the guy that was over. Milosevic. Milosevic. Yeah. The guy that was over um, in Serbia and Yugoslavia. Remember at the end, I mean, he came in making all these socialist promises and the people of Yugoslavia, they all but tarred and feather he and his wife. He ended up dying in prison in 2006. He was dethroned from power in 2000. But, uh, you know, he came into power making all these great promises Now, listen, when the American people get their tax bill after Biden has promised how, you know, nobody's going to pay any more taxes, when they get their tax bill, and I'm sorry, if they see $50,000 going to, well, that's already happened. I mean, it'd be $50,000 in benefits. But when you start cutting checks to illegal immigrants, I mean, whatever happened to the idea that just about every other country in the world has if you're going to come to our country, you've got to prove you've got a means of support. In our country with Joe Biden, you come to our country and we will support you. You know, with that type of announcement, um, is there any surprise that people from Central America is running <laughs> to Mexico as fast as they can go? Because Bingo. they know they're going to jump the border and Uncle Joe's going to have them a check. I yeah. mean, yeah, and plus takeout. They'll give them a takeout, too. The, um, the Heritage Foundation has uh, has begun to do a study with what limited information there is on this $1.75 trillion package. And uh, they came out this afternoon, late this afternoon, with their overview on two aspects of it. One is immigration, one of the things I just touched on. The other is education. And uh, Biden's framework would spend about $40 billion to increase the maximum Pell Grant award by $550. Uh, it sent additional subsidies to historical, historically black colleges and universities and minority-serving institutions. Uh, these federal subsidies would only um, encourage, the Heritage Foundation says, to raise prices shifting more of the burden of paying for higher education from the student who benefits to the taxpayer. Um, So, uh, you know, their their point being is 
why not raise the tuition on the student if the student's not going to pay for it? Mm-hmm. I mean, if you have the government saying, hey, we're going to we'll cut you a check. How much do you want? Why, why not raise? Oh, oh well, in, in that case, you know, we're going to pay for the students to come. In that case, I'm going to raise my rates. Well, you know, the data, the data regarding college expenses, and I'm sure I'm have some higher education friends of mine, uh, you know, get upset with me here. But the data is very, very clear that the more that the government says that you, hey, you get a free education, college expenses go up. The the percent when you and you look at the data. During the last 20 years, when you look at the percentages of compensation of like payroll at institutions that are non-professors, that administratively oh. keep skyrocketing. <laughs> I well, mean, well, the cost of textbooks skyrocketing for no reason at all because, hey, paper is so cheap, you can't give it away. <laughs> well, and not only that, but the, the professors, they, you know. It used to be on the old mimeograph machine. And they've been doing this for decades. They were doing this when I was in college. You but know. you just look around, and you, you all of a sudden you got all these new departments at universities. And they talk about how uh, the college expenses have skyrocketed you know, such faster than the rate of inflation. Just go look at the buildings. Hey, I'm okay with building a new science and technology building. I'm okay with building a new technology building. But, you know, a new building of diversity and inclusion Filled with twenty five a staff of twenty five people and and things like that. Give me a break. Yeah, if it wasn't for the subsidies, none of this would be happening. And that's why college expenses are so out of sight. Was it any, and, is, and normal kids can't afford it? Is it any wonder that state universities are liberal? I mean, <laughs> and I mean, it's it's the liberalism is the goose that is laying the golden eggs for these universities and the professors and the administrators. Which, by the way, you just touched on this, from 2001 to 2011, the number of non-teaching employees and administrators increased 50% faster than teaching faculty. There you go. I've, I'd, I'd read a report on that, uh, I don't know, probably six months or a year ago. And, I mean, the data is, is there. And, and I just know from my own eyes, from what I see, <laughs> I see it. All you got to do is walk around campus. Across the country, tuition and fees for in-state students attending four-year universities have nearly tripled in real terms since 1990. Since 1970, inflation-adjusted tuition rates have quintupled. Quintupled? (laughs) Is that a word? Um, It is, according to Heritage. uh, Both in private and and public uh, colleges. Federal subsidies have increased dramatically, with spending on student loans rising 328% over the last 30 years, from $20.4 billion during the 89-90 school year to $87.5 billion during the 19-20 year. Um, as, a, as University of Ohio economics uh, professor Richard Better explains, it takes more resources today to educate a post-secondary student than a generation ago. Relative to other sectors of the economy, universities are becoming less efficient, less productive, and consequently more costly. And the other question is, when the kids get out with some of these degrees, can they actually get a job? Do they actually have any useful skills? Yeah, and on the flip side, you'll have them arguing about, well, look at the look at the level of student debt in America. We, we've got to help them out. Oh, yeah. Well, the reason we've yeah. helped them out, the reason the student debt is high is because the majority of students, and this is a fact, I think the number is close to 60%, the majority of students go on financial aid. Most, by 
by grants. And there you go. You've got a consumer that doesn't have any skin in the game. So just it's basic economics. When you got a customer that doesn't challenge you to be to deliver a product that's good, quality, and competitive in pricing, what the heck is going to happen to prices? Yeah. It's basic economics 101. Yep. Hey, Same got, thing with healthcare. We're going to take a time out. Uh, political trivia comes up in a little bit. Don't call yet. But uh, lots more to talk about, including how are they going to pay for this boondoggle? Talk about that. Love to hear from you. 561-8255. News and views. He's kind of a diva. He's absolutely fascinating. Ultimate gentleman spy. Irresistible to women, deadly to his enemies, a legend in his own time. You won't believe what he's going to say next on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Here's Tom Lemprecht. Welcome back in. It is October the 28th, and it's National Chocolate Day. (laughs) Something everyone can agree on, right? Who doesn't like chocolate? Give me some, baby. Um, It is uh, going to rain tonight. The question is, how soon will it come in, and how heavy will it be, and how much will it affect the uh, ECU uh, football game, which starts at 730, but uh, the showers will come in. They will be around with us most of the night, and then tomorrow morning they will dissipate pretty quickly. The sun will come out. Tomorrow's high will be around 72. Uh, The weekend looks pretty good. It's going to get a little cooler over the weekend. The highs on Saturday will be near 67, 68. And uh, on Sunday, it'd be around 70, but there'd be lots of sunshine. So all, all in all, pretty good, uh, pretty good weather forecast. There's a lot of green coming on the radar, and uh, don't see much red or yellow, but uh, it looks like we've got some rain coming for sure. There you go. Weather brought to you by our friends at the Ironwood Golf and Country Club, voted best golf course in Greenville two years in a row. They boast an 18-hole Lee Trevino design course, full-service dining, an outdoor pool, tennis, and more. And... Uh, Listen, if you're going to have a special time over Christmas, think about Ironwood. They would be tickled pink to host your uh, business Christmas party. Give them a call at 252-752-4653 for all the arrangements, whether it's just a few folks from your office or uh, you got a huge dinner party for 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 people. They'll take care of you. Again, that number, 252-752-4653. And uh, how about some rounds of golf or uh, golf lessons? Gift certificates are available. Stop by and see them over at Ironwood. Um, we will play tr- political trivia in about uh, 15 minutes, 10, 15 minutes. And uh, your category will be the Eisenhowers. Uh, 561-8255, we've got uh, Cam from Wilson on the line. Hey, Cam. Hey, Cam. Hey, how's it going? Doing well. Good to hear from you. Oh, thanks. I just wanted to chime in about uh, your conversation with student debt. And um, just, you know, obviously, I, the way I skinned the cat, for the lack of a better term, was just one way. But, you know, my daughter was a, a community college student. She bounced around a little bit, had a couple of hiccups. And basically, I told her, uh, you know, she had some scholarships. And I said, you need to figure this um, out for a while. And when she got serious, I released the account that the remaining scholarship money was on. She finished it. And I basically told her, you know, at ECU, I'm still committed to paying for your education, but here's how we're going to do it. Um, so I know you're serious. Uh, you're you're going to put these loans in your name. Um, you're going to borrow only what I tell you to, which is tuition and books. You're not borrowing all this other stuff. You work for that. And then, you know, you complete your degree um, and do what you're supposed to in, in a job uh, career field. Then I, I'll 
pay the debt, which I did, and she did do it. But it's really sad because she's got friends that I know. I mean, she's a public school teacher there in Pitt County now, but she's got friends that are in the same field that um, have like $80,000 of unsecured debt. They're paying their apartment rent, car payments, insurance. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. And uh, some of these student loans include... Um, funny money, and they include money for you to go out and have a big time, and uh, more than just uh, tuition and books. Uh, yeah, it's it's a uh, it's a trap. And listen, when you're eighteen, nineteen, twenty years old, uh, and you know, unless the, unless those students have had a mom or a dad like you that have sort of you know explained how life works, they don't think about paying back. No, in the way they're set up, they're set up to. Almost encourage someone to be financially irresponsible, yeah. um, and and at that age, uh, most kids uh, hadn't had that direction. You right. Know. Oh, but, oh, it's very tempting. She um, did not, you know, she she uh, at first wanted to do what her friends were doing, and I said no. Then I mean, it's in your name, so you're going to be responsible. And so since I had guaranteed payment on it, and you know, if she did those things, she did, and now she's thankful for it because she's looking at some of her peers that are, are, I mean, they're drowning. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, mom and dad, when, you know, the kids are teenagers, we don't have a lick of sense. But when they turn <laughs> 25, 30, suddenly we're, man, you're a pretty smart dad. <laughs> well, congratulations, Cam. You got her through, and she's uh, being employed as a teacher. And uh, God bless her, because uh, we need some uh, sharp teachers in uh, public that's education. A good, that's a good approach and good advice for yeah. any parents listening, yeah. to. Good yeah. job. Thanks, Cam. Appreciate the call. Thank you. Yep. So how are the Democrats going to pay for um, this boondoggle, which is, you know, and hear me, this 1.7, you know, are, are, first of all, there is a common practice with liberals, and, and a lot of businesses do this. I don't just blame liberals, but I think the liberals have got it down to a fine art. You know, figure out what you want then ask for five times that amount. <laughs> and then when you get in the negotiation process and it backs down to a fifth of what you asked for, but that's what you originally wanted, they're going to praise you as a great negotiator. Yeah. And a, a guy, you know, oh, yeah, this guy, comp- you know, he's willing to compromise. And, you know, he, you know, my goodness, he wanted five trillion seven trillion but oh look how look how good they are they're they're so workable they back down to 1.75 trillion um listen there is going to be just as much garbage in this 1.75 trillion as there would be in the five or seven trillion it's just going to be a shorter period of time yep and they're not going to give up on the garbage they'll just have a little bit less garbage then the, but that but there'll be plenty of garbage in there if uh, we ever see it interestingly you've heard about the billionaires tax and they want to tax and they're saying right now okay if you're in a certain category if you're a billionaire or you make a hundred million dollars a year for three years in a row uh they would tax you uh on Unrealized, is that the right term? Unrealized, unrealized capital gains. gains on capital gains, unrealized capital gains on stocks and real estate is what they're talking about as well. Well, right now they're saying not real estate, okay. but uh, they keep going back and forth. Yeah, yeah. but don't, first of all, don't hold your breath on that, but also 
the the you know that it's only going to be applied to people making a hundred million dollars for three years in a row or billionaires. Uh, don't hold your breath on that. Yeah, I, I, we mentioned that yesterday or maybe the day before off the show. You know, years ago, you know, in the IRS code now have something called alternative minimum tax. Some people are familiar with it, but basically, when it came out, it affected very very few high income wage earners or or income people but in the last several years i mean it was affecting people 50 60 70 thousand dollars of income so you know once they find that channel of income and that uh, revenue stream they're going to just you know that there's never going to be on the table a discussion of cutting expenses i mean that just doesn't exist no they just got to keep finding revenue sources so this billionaire's tax it'll keep going down and down and yeah i I don't trust it and and you're right they they do not the republics i'm sorry they they do not cut the goodies once the goodies are in there that republican or democrat they can't go in there and cut them out well i mean here's a fundamental question on tax and unrealized gains on investments okay you're going to tax me for my Apple stock going from $50 a share to $150 a share. What if it goes down? What, is it, what happens when it goes down from 150 to 50 Are yeah. you, are are you, you going to write me a, me a check? Yeah, yeah. are you going to write me a check? Bingo. <laughs> um, Reason.com released an article today. They say the 16th Amendment gave Congress the power to tax income applies to income taxes, not wealth taxes. Imposing wealth tax then may not even be among the enumerated powers of Congress. Hence, the effort by Secretary of Treasury Janet Yellen to deny that the Biden-Wyden wealth tax even is a wealth tax. I wouldn't call it a wealth tax, she said on CNN. Her colleagues among the congressional Democrats are more plain-spoken. Quote, we will probably have a wealth tax, said Nancy Pelosi. Uh, A wealth tax could also violate the Fifth Amendment, takings clause, the 14th Amendment due process and equal protection clause, and Article One prohibition against ex uh, post facto law. Uh, the article goes on to say, uh, I understand that the courts have ruled that the ex post facto provision applies to criminal law, not to tax rates, but the philosophical and moral point that laws should be predictable and prospective rather than arbitrary and retroactive applies. People took risks and structured businesses based on an understanding of tax law as it was. For non-billionaires, imagine how you'd feel if someone in the government had told you um, what, uh, imagine if, uh, how you'd feel if something the government had told you was tax-exempt, say your past charitable contributions or mortgage interest or accumulated gains in your retirement account, and then suddenly they change those tax laws. Well said. Well, here's the kicker to define income. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. You know, what you say, yeah, but that's not income. Well, define income. What is income? Speaking of income, a number of media outlets, including WNCT, are reporting, and Richard thought he was, you know, that he was done with this. But uh, Senator Richard Burr apparently is not done with this. He and his brother-in-law are being investigated by the Securities and Exchange Commissions for potential insider trading, a case that stems from their abrupt sales of financial holdings during the early days of the coronavirus pandemic, according to recent federal court filings. Burr, a Republican, is among several lawmakers from both parties who faced outrage over their aggressive trading in early 2020 before the economic threat from the virus was widely known. Now, remember what Richard Burr said. Oh, 
I, I got the same information everybody else got from Jim Cramer. Yeah. Uh, he sold $1.6 million from his portfolio in January and February of 2020. The department cleared him a wrongdoing. The, the Justice Department under Trump cleared him a wrongdoing almost a year later on January the 19th. But the SEC continued to investigate Burr. Attorneys for Burr, as well as Gerald Foth, F-A-U-T-H, who is the brother of Burr's wife, did not immediately respond to requests for comment. I don't think so. You might hear from his attorney, but you're not going to hear from them. Yeah, he's lawyering up. Yep. Uh, the filing stemmed from a case brought by the SEC to force Foth to comply with a subpoena. The agency argued his close relationship with Burr and a phone call between the two, followed by calls to his brokers, made his testimony critical. When the brother-in-law was himself tipped with inside information from Burr and whether the brother-in-law knew Senator Burr was violating his duties under the Stock Act by conveying that information are matters Foth and is uniquely positioned to speak to the SEC filing set. So um, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how uh, Burr's um, Ambien prescription goes because I don't think he's going to get a lot yeah. of sleep. He might have had one of those uh, blue horseshoe loves Anacott Steel moments or something. Remember the movie Wall Street? Yeah. <laughs> it was, yeah. you know, phone calls or code words. You know, in today's world, um, you know, there's a, basically a digital footprint of everything you do in your life, basically, yeah. from, from phone, computer records, and that type of thing. So who knows? But insider trading generally is very, very difficult to prove. Um, well, there have been some Republicans that have gone to jail for it. Yeah. Um, who was the guy? Was the guy out of Connecticut? Uh, oh, yeah. Um, sold uh, you know, some, some drug stocks, mm-hmm. had not um, the, the, the findings of, a, you know, the, the testing of some drug. It didn't pass the FDA or something. And uh, he called up his son and said, hey, dump that stock. And uh, he went to jail for it. Yeah, and Martha Stewart. I mean, she, yeah. I don't think she was Republican necessarily. I don't know what she is, but uh, she went to... She yeah. went to jail and, uh, and then wore an ankle bracelet. Mm-hmm. A nice piece of jewelry for a while after that. Hey, let's uh, take a time out and play a little political trivia, shall we? 561-8255. A uh, good question about the Eisenhowers. Got a great prize package? Give us a call. The lines are open. We'll play political, tri- political trivia when we get back. I think our uh, producer's trying to run us off there. Um, hey, it's political trivia time. Give us a call, 561-8255, 561-8255. Got a great cr- prize package. Your category, the Eisenhowers, your prize package includes a free oil change for your car or pickup at Dave Davis's East Carolina Chrysler Dodge Jeep or at Washington Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram. Also a gift certificate at the Ironwood Country Club for a round of golf, including cart and a bucket of balls. A gift card to the University PC Care folks, a $20 gift card to Gwendy's Goodies Bakery in Aden, delicious baked fresh made from scratch goodies, a $20 gift card to Mucho Bueno for lunch or dinner, Mucho Bueno, located in front of the Westbrook Shopping Center, US 70 West in Havelock, a gift certificate from Fit for Life, including two free training sessions with a fitness coach, 561-8255, your uh, category, the Eisenhowers, Lord 
A ward. 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 I thought there was a second comment going on. Ward from uh, from Wilson, is it? Yes, please. Hey, Ward. Good to hey, hear ward. from you. You ready to play? I love you guys. I love you guys. Oh, you're very Thank kind. You. Thank you, sir. All right, here we go. Here's a question. Mamie Eisenhower, the first lady, decided in 1958 to do something at the White House that no other first lady or anyone else had ever done before. What did Mamie Eisenhower do back in 1958 that had never been done before? Wow. You guys are picking hard ones these days. Um, That's true. Did she put a swimming pool in? Uh, that's a good guess. That is you know, a good one. That's a FDR real good one. did that, and uh, I think it was Nixon that filled filled in the pool and uh, made a bowling alley out of it. Yeah, and John F. Kennedy had a lot of rendezvous in there in that pool. When his yeah. wife was out of town. So there moment. was a pool already there. But good guess, Ward. <laughs> and uh, we'll be giving some hints. They so give us a call back. Who's next? Uh, Jamie. Hey, Jamie. How are you? Hey, Jamie. Hi, doing good. How are y'all? Good. You ready for a hint? Yes, please. <laughs> All right. Well, here's your question. I'll repeat the question. Mamie Eisenhower decided in 1958 to do something as the first lady at the White House that had never been done before. What did she do? Hint number one. Mamie was the first to do this in the White House, but the Trumps did it best. Was it um, do something with trick-or-treating? Uh, you are warm. I'll let you redefine your answer. Have decorate for Halloween and have trick or treaters come and trick or treat. She got it. Bingo. Bingo. She was the first. She was the first first lady to ever decorate the White House for Halloween. Wow. Awesome. Hey, Jamie, where you calling from? Greenville. All right, Jamie from Greenville. Hang on, we've got a boatload of goodies for you. We'll get out to you. Sorry for everybody else on hold, but Jamie took away your thunder. Stay with us, Benny, and I'll be right back. Back to News and Views. Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Congratulations to Jamie Vick of Winterville, North Carolina. She got it right. Mamie Eisenhower back in 1958. She'd been very busy right about now because she was decorating the White House for Halloween. Never been done before. You know, I was, when I was looking at this trivia, you know, Halloween really wasn't a big deal until about the 1920s here in the United States. And uh, who introduced Halloween? What, what uh, ethnic group or nationality or whatever you want to call it introduced Halloween to America? Hmm. I'd say the Germans. It was the Irish. Irish, yeah. okay. Oh, oh. Interesting stuff. And, uh, yeah, we were talking during the break, and this was actually a trivia question we had a few years back. <laughs> it was sort of funny. Ike Eisenhower the house he grew up in, I can't remember how many boys were in the house, but there were several. And every one of the boys, their nickname was Ike. <laughs> Ike, time for dinner. That's all she had to say, and everybody would show up. I think it seemed like there was a slew of boys, too, like uh, four or five. There was a few of them. Mm-hmm. I don't remember exactly how many, but there was a few of them. Um, Andrew Cuomo is back in the news. Hansy Andy. Hansy Andy is his new nickname. Uh, he has been charged with a misdemeanor sex crime for forcible touching. The Democrat was charged in Albany City Court earlier today. A spokesperson for the New York State Court has a f- confirmed that to Fox News. 
A misdemeanor complaint against the former governor, Andrew Cuomo, has been filed in Albany City Court. The spokesperson said in a statement, as this is a sex crime, a redacted complaint will be available shortly. Marion Wang, an attorney for Cuomo, accusers Alyssa McGrath and Virginia Lemiatus celebrated the news in a statement. Quote, my clients are enormously grateful for the courage of the women who have come forward to speak about uh, the truth about Cuomo's misconduct. Cuomo is being held to account as he should be, including by force, uh, being forced to answer a criminal charge. We hope that all men who abuse their power by abusing women will see this and understand that there will be real consequences to their profoundly damaging behavior. So, uh, I, you know, I mean, what's going to happen to him? Not much, but uh, obviously his uh, career will have a little asterisk next to it. Yeah, I think um, it'd be kind of interesting to see if his brother gets deposed in all this because, you know, um, early there were some early talks about some conversations between Cuomo and uh, was it Chris Cuomo? Right. Um, on CNN. So it'd be it'd be kind of interesting to see if he gets deposed during all this. It's his brother, but he's <laughs> yeah. I doubt he's going to lie under oath. I, I know, these people are so arrogant. Who knows what they think they're going to get away with? I mean, look at all the people that have lied under oath. Fauci, for one, mm. to Congress. It'd be interesting to see what happens. You know, will will there be any kind of uh, charges brought against Fauci? Don't hold your breath. Uh, the Daily Caller is reporting. Boy, there's a lot of stories erupting over school boards um you know school boards used to be a something that you would be elected to that you would proudly put on your resume you know i'm a member of the community i'm a member of the local school board and now it's like uh you know saying i'm a member of the clan or something <laughs> but you know um there's a lot of political careers that start at the school yeah. board level you know people get involved with their kids you know not just to get into politics, but get involved with the kids, and then it just goes from there to you know local uh, municipalities and counties, and next thing you know, you got a, a fifty-year politician. Well, Mike consider <laughs> consider and even the audio that we played yesterday, um, where it was down in Florida, where we had the audio of an individual reading from one of these books that are in the school library, and it was so vulgar. That they ended up, the, the the chairman, Teresa Jacobs, I think her name was, made the person stop reading it. And the people were upset because they said, well, wait a minute, you don't want us to read this in a room full of adults, but yet you're allowing our kids to read this in the library whenever they want. You're promoting it. And, uh, you know, the the, the uh, chairman knocked her gavel down and said, you know, hey, we're going to have order here and I demand respect and blah, blah, blah. Well, in the meantime, over in California, the president of a California school board is facing criticism because they had a meeting and it had to do with the mandate on the masks. And some of the parents were complaining. One of the parents, a uh, woman by the name of Lauren Rupola, was addressing the board, making her arguments, making her statement, and uh, she got a basically a standing ovation from the crowd that was there, the parents that were there, and the school board president, the chairman of the group there, you can hear her caught on a hot mic. Her her comment to the parent was, F you. Goodness. Yeah. Mm. 
<laughs> the arrogance of these people. Yeah. And these mm. are the people that say, we demand respect. Mm-hmm. And if you don't give it to us, we're going to call in the FBI, and you'll be considered a domestic terrorist. And where was this in Florida? Uh, Florida? This was in California. California. The Florida one was where the, oh, okay. the guy was yeah, reading yeah. out of the book. Well, nothing surprised me in California. Yeah. Mm. Um, well, back to Florida, Broward County, Florida. That's what, Miami area? I think Broward County, is that Miami or is that up near Tampa? Hmm. I think it might be up near Tampa. Okay. I, um, anyway, Jana, who works here at the station, used to live in Florida, and she probably would know if she's listening. Where's Broward County? Um, anyway, there is an elementary school called Wilton Manors Elementary School. They decide to take some of the elementary school kids, 18 kids, on a field trip. They take the field trip to Rosie's. What is Rosie's? Rosie's is a local bar. Not just any bar, a local gay bar. Yeah. Fort Lauderdale. Fort Lauderdale. Okay, down near Miami. Um, Broward County School Board member Sarah Lenardi attended the field trip. She commented, I was so honored to be invited to chaperone. The students and I had a fun walk over and learned a lot about our community. It was a gay bar. 18 <laughs> kids taken. Wearing masks. Uh, Rosie's menu includes items like naked, sweaty lovin'. I can't, I can't read some of these. Rode a cowboy. Uh, I, can't, I can't read some of these. And this is what they took the kids to. But why to a bar in general? I mean, uh, oh, I'm sure oh, diversity. We've, uh, yeah. I, I mean, so, the fact that it's a gay bar. I mean, they, they don't need to take them to a bar. A bar, any bar. I mean, well, uh, any heterosexual bar, any bar full of old men. Uh, well, that especially I don't take them to. But uh, yeah, this is. Uh, and and parents, they, then they wonder why parents get upset. <laughs> Unbelievable. Well, mm. Carolina Journal had an interesting article yesterday. North Carolina's self-described teachers' union, which is not exactly a union, but it's a self-described teachers' it's union. A union. <laughs> they still have uh, clout with many Democrats, but they're losing popularity with teachers and everyday North Carolinians. Over the past decade, the North Carolina Association of Educators membership has dropped nearly 59%. Its revenue is cut in half from $11 million to $5.8 million. During the pandemic, enrollment in public schools dropped by 5%, or about 70,000 students, while the ranks of homeschoolers went up by nearly 21%. Private schools enrollment, private school enrollments went up by uh, 3.3%. Charter schools saw a bump of 7.7%. Mm. Uh, you think parents are upset with uh, the government schools? Well, all they do is just you know spew Democrat talking points. Yeah. Hey, we got to run. Go Pirates. See you tomorrow at 5. Bye-bye, everybody. All right.